You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest shows such strength against the challenges he faces. He cannot run, yet alone walk, without ripping skin off his body. He suffers from epidermolosis bullosa, EB for short. Individuals with EB are born without one of the genes that glue your skin together. This affects their skin and for some, the mucous membranes inside their body. Any frictional rubbing of the skin can lead to large blisters or loss of skin. Individuals with EB can have large wounds over most of their body and require three-hour bleach baths and dressing changes every second day. Welcome to the show to talk about his story, Dean Clifford. Thanks for being on the show, Dean. How are you? Really good. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here today. Uh, Likewise. Thank you for coming on. So, Dean, can you tell us when were you first diagnosed with EB? Yeah, well, I was really unique and it took um, over a year, closer to 18 months before I was properly diagnosed, but but my skin started to break down after the first few hours of being born, which is very, very, very rare because simply being born most of the time is too traumatic for for most babies' skin. So Ah. they're born without um, skin on their feet or their arms or whatever just through being born but for me my skin held up really really well through that whole process and then after about six or seven hours for no reason at all then all the blisters and all and um my skin breaks just started breaking down by by itself without anything so um that was very very unique at the time and why it took so long to properly diagnose me close to 18 months from start to finish before my parents had the specific diagnosis right now i know it was probably your normal growing up but what would what was it that you noticed was most different about your childhood to others yeah, I think it was pretty uh, obvious early on um, that people my own age and even adults and people were quite scared and alarmed of me and of my appearance when I'd go out in public with my parents or my, my relatives or whatever it might be um, at a young age. I can remember from about the age of three, uh, three and a half, sort of noticing that, wait a minute, People, kids my own age were visibly upset and scared to be around me and even adults would sort of back away and sort of clear wide paths for me and stare at me and I sort of still to this day say uh, at a a lot of times that was really difficult to understand from a young age but also something that you could sort of play play with I'd I'd go to the shops with my parents and you'd notice people were more fixated on me that they'd walk their shopping trolley straight into the fruit and veg (laughs) you know and so you could start start to sort of laugh a bit about how many people were were knocking things over or or walking into walls because I suppose you could use it to your um, advantage you could literally just clear a pathway straight to the counter <laughs> yeah pretty much you've kind of got to be at a madonna level of fame to, I be bet. Able to close a building but i could just <laughs> go into the toy store and kids would be too scared to come near me and, and people wouldn't would be too scared to come and tell me not to touch something or do yeah, something yeah. so you could you could have the you know shop to yourself but it was around that age of three or so that i started to really notice wait a minute 
anywhere I went, people were fascinated and, mm. you know, stare, staring and couldn't turn away from looking at me or you'd hear comments or things like that. And my parents would have to explain, no, he, he's not, you know, something to be scared of. He's just, you know, our little boy, you yeah. know, running around having fun. But, um, yeah, that was sort of very having a lot of other relatives and cousins and, and people in my life that was sort of obvious that from about the age of yeah three that people seemed to be taking a lot more notice of me and and more you know visibly upset yeah. or concerned about my appearance so, so that yeah, must that be that must be a very hard thing to 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 not only grow up with but to deal with each day i mean yeah it's, it, it it's must not be easy it's something that a lot of people um, have a lot of trouble dealing with, which is why I, I'm so passionate about sharing my story and connecting with other uh, other kids and young yeah. adults living with EB and sort of highlight that you, you can explain your situation. Other times you've just got to get on and live your life and sort of let people think that if people want to come up and talk to me, I'm very easygoing and happy to yeah. chat with people. But if they're going to sort of, you know, have little comments under their breath or, you know, if you're out at a pub or nightclub or whatever it might be and, you know, people have had a few drinks and want to try to make fun of you or whatever, then that's not something you you have to take on board yourself. No, it's there. exactly their issues that they're dealing with so it's something that yeah a lot of kids and young adults still to this day struggle greatly with and something that and sort of I, I myself don't even really register now I can yeah. tell genuine people that are interested to learn about my story and other people that are just you know scared or or whatever it might be yeah. you just dismiss and get on with living your life that's it I think that um that's the thing that so I'm a true believer of beauty is skin deep and if, if you take the time to actually get up, walk up and get to know somebody, or if you do see somebody in the street that's different and that's grabbing your attention, then why not go up and say hello and actually ask them questions about their life or their existence and, and see what position or where they lay. And who knows, they might become one of your, your next best friends. You just don't know. That's Absolutely. One of my very close, um, closest friends just happened that way. We were, we were, I walked up to get a drink at a, at a bar in Brisbane here and he happened to be standing there getting, ordering his drink and we just got chatting about the, the sport that was on TV and we were, uh, you know, best mates after that, you know, they're just brilliant. hanging out all the time until yeah. he passed away, unfortunately. But um, uh. it's that sort of, yeah, just getting, not being afraid to, start up a conversation with whoever exactly. might be standing beside you now you just said you live in in brisbane now i'm i'm originally from brisbane and i know what the heat is like up there if um any of my international listeners it is hot <laughs> so <laughs> how does how does your skin cope with the sun yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult for six months of the year, basically, mm. because as you can't see on my arms, I've got my arms bandaged up and uh, on basically my feet and my knees, most of the high movement joint areas, yeah, yeah. I've got to sort of bandage and protect it, um, as much as I can. So in our summertime, it's basically like wearing a tracksuit or a, yeah. you know, a, a full full body suit in the Australia 
in heaps. So oh. um, I've got to be very aware of climate control and dehydration and making sure I drink and keep my um, body temperature under control because mm. unfortunately with all the layers of bandages I've got, some of those bandages are sort of more heat absorbing. So if yeah. you're outside in the sun, then it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter. So um, it's something that, yeah, I, as a young child, you I was sort of more interested in getting on with life and living life and not worrying what would happen. And so there were quite a few times when I'd sort of struggle with heat stroke and sort of mm. dehydration. These days I've got it very well under control. I know exactly what I have to do to keep my body in the best possible condition. And so um, I'm able to sort of manage that. But in the really extreme heat that we do get, then, yeah, you've got to sort of keep in climate control environment as much as possible and air-conditioned houses or, you know, um, surroundings as much as you can for sure. So what would you say, Dean, has been your biggest challenges? I think the biggest challenge I've had to face is sort of is something that a lot of people with really severe disabilities have to face, and that's just sort of the uh, acceptance into the community. Like we mm. were saying earlier, as a, as a young kid, it was very obvious that I was different and people treated me different these days. It's it just goes second nature with my life. I don't sort of notice it too much. My my friends and extended family that are out will sort of say, "Oh, did you notice that person commenting or looking at you or whatever?" And I'm like, "Oh no, it must just because my football jersey's the latest and greatest, and they're jealous <laughs> or something like that." You know, you can sort of just make a passing joke of it, but it doesn't sort of. It's not something I notice too much these days, but it, it's. Um, just that acceptance into the community, acceptance into the workforce, acceptance yeah. that you are more than just your disability, whether it's myself with a severe disability like this or um, intellectual dis- disabilities. I've spent a lot of time in the disability field talking to a whole range of people with minor disabilities through to major that common thing is like they're more than just their disability it's people just sort of like we were saying earlier take one look at you instantly think they can judge you and and put you in a category and you know label you and put you aside whereas same as you know anybody they've got much more to them themselves than just their appearance and i think for disabled people it's sort of breaking down that barrier that still exists unfortunately you know that people take one look and sort of okay got you figured out yeah yeah yeah, that's rarely the case you'll no definitely um, yeah the more you get to know a person the the greater impact they'll have in your life kind of thing that's so true now what is the one thing you would want people to understand about ebay I think um, for me personally, it's just taking the time to understand that we have so much to add to uh, to the quality of life. Most of the time in, in my situation, like you said earlier in the introduction, I've been through that three to four hour morning routine. For me, it happens every single day. Um, wow. For other people, it happens uh, every second day. So when when we turn up at a sporting event or even turning up to do the groceries or to just go turn up to, with friends at a, to have a drink at a restaurant or whatever, 
most of the time we've been through more in that day than most people will have been through in their lifetime if yeah. you've got a really severe disability. So it's sort of that acceptance that, okay, they, they can, like we were saying earlier, they can add so much more to their life and they've got so most people with disabilities have that real passion to get out and live life and to experience life and take on life. So it's that sort mm. of um, just that sort of willingness to share and be a part of the world and, and let, let people with disabilities of all kinds into life without yeah. and into the world without sort of having to fight for that acceptance and That's fight it. for that sort of approval and fight for that sort of everyday thing that people just take for granted in my yeah. opinion it's sort of so you know to just turn up and just be one of the people in the crowd rather than oh there's that special person with you know fragile skin or there's that you know special person in a wheelchair or whatever it might be it's just so great to turn up and just be one person in the yeah. crowd, you know. I um I've always found that really baffling with um humanity when you will be out in a shopping center or something and you, and you might see a, a child in a wheelchair or something. And the way that I mean I understand it for children because you know it's something that they've probably never you know seen before. So you can you can understand a Absolutely. child's reaction. But when you yeah. see adults standing there staring or, or talking or looking, I just don't get it. I think to myself, not only is it ridiculous, because really have one look and look away, but it's, didn't your parents ever teach you like the manners yeah. of don't stare at people? Like you just don't stare. Even if it was a normal looking person, you don't stare at people. It's just normal. Yeah. You know, you, you, and I've, I've had that conversations with, you know, three and four year olds that sort of come up and innocently, oh, what happened to you? And you can sit there and just, oh, no, I've got really fragile skin and I was born like this, but I'm mm. super strong. And I can, you know, and by the end of that sort of one minute conversation, they're running away happy as anything. Yeah, exactly. they, they understand it. So it's like, well, okay, if you, you are genuinely that interested that you're going to run into a cement wall, which has happened in the past. <laughs> that adults have been so fascinated, they they missed the building right in front of them and walked straight Crazy. into the wall. It's like, well, actually, come and have a chat with me. You might actually land something yeah. rather than just sort of being, you know, so fixated that you trip over you trip over yourself <laughs> and you know walk out into traffic. Well, that's know? hilarious. Now, what what does the bleach actually do? the bleach bars yeah it's something that has been around for a long time and the idea with that is basically to um, kill off any sort of bacteria skin surface uh, bacteria and sort of try to um, help with the open wounds that sort uh, of just yeah. that topical infection unfortunately most people living with eb and with um, really severe cases like myself it's the secondary complications that yeah. they still to this day pass away from. So mm. um, I, I'm one of the oldest in the world now at 41 um, with the with one of the most severe versions. And um, it's usually like, yeah, secondary infections that become a huge problem. So the bleach bath is sort of just supposed to bacteria-wise help sort of clear off that topical surface. Right. Uh, bacteria that may be happening that sort of because we've got the open wounds has an easier access to sure. get into the body then you know yeah. so you, 
that's sort of um, it's been around for a very long time. That right. sort of idea of um, not not all the time. Maybe you sort of the processes you start off doing it a lot, then you sort of gradually reduce it to um, once a week, then or once every every other time, and sure. it's supposed to just help sort of take off that topical infection gotcha. surface stuff that may be around. If you like your beauty products to stand out, look a little different and smell amazing, then I'm pretty sure you should check out Sugar Monster. Brand new and completely Adelaide-based, Sugar Monster scrubs are natural body products with a quirky style to them. You'll have to see to know why. All completely handmade, vegan and cruelty-free with skin-loving ingredients that your body will love. Plus, they smell good enough to eat. But don't actually do that. Check out the range at sugarmonster.com.au and support local business. Now, now that you're older, how does it affect you in such ways as of sexuality, work? Yeah, the, for me, the, um, the sexuality and all, and all those things, it's never affected, never been a problem for me. I've, I, one thing you get to know with me, if, if it's something that I really want to do, you can be guaranteed I'm going to work out a way to do it. You know, whether it's in it. the gym, whether it's in social activities or whatever it might be, if it's something I'm, I'm really, you know, keen to do, I'm going to work out a way my skin and my body isn't going to stop me. But I find these days more more so than like sexuality and things like that, it's just the dating aspect that is really, really hard for yeah. a lot of people with disabilities. I think we, these days more than ever, we seem to be living in that sort of, you know social media superficial you know instantaneous type thing where there's not much time given to sort of connecting with people developing um, a relationship and understanding if you if you don't sort of in the first five seconds appearance wise look a certain way or fit a certain you know standard that people have preconceived ideas then it's that just that sort of swipe left or or whatever it might be i don't even know what that app is you know (laughs) swipe swipe right move on to the next thing or you know just it's that sort of real and we live in such a fast pace i don't really think it, it needs to be like that i think it's a lot of people's preconceived ideas that they are too busy and too important to actually connect and engage with somebody these days so i think that you know what i think i think that um within the last few years the whole you know, because it's always been around. You've always had the dating aspect of there used to be the introduction agencies and all that sort of stuff you could go to. And then you've also had your hookups. And and that would normally have been back in the day, I suppose, people that would meet in sort of sex clubs or whatever it may be. Where nowadays, I just think that the two have mixed. And it's so hard for people to, especially people that only want one or the other, because you don't really get that option anymore. It's everything's thrown into one. And so, yeah, so true, many yeah. people, it's just, you know, so many people, it's just, you've just got to wade through the absolute bull crap till you hopefully find that connection that you were looking for. And yeah, absolutely. It, it yeah. makes it so hard. I mean, not even just for yourself. It makes it hard for everybody. It really does. Absolutely, I mean, even, yeah. even more so anybody in your position that potentially looking for a dating life. Um, yeah. And trying to battle your way through that sort of, you know, stuff is just, 
mind-boggling because it's seriously it's 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 gotten to a really weird stage and I'm glad I'm married yeah. now <laughs> so I don't have to deal with it anymore because I only got I only really got the tail end of it and oh you know the beginning of it should I say and I feel so blessed that I don't have to be in that world anymore because it was it was confusing <laughs> I think you're 100% right that yeah everything's all mixed into the one thing these days and people sort of don't don't know what they're really looking for no. what they're after it's just all jumbled in together but I think the as we were saying earlier within in, uh, the conversation when you've got a severe disability or in, in my situation I think there's there's so much more the people that I interact with with severe disabilities have so much more passion for life and so yeah, much more sort much of so. uh, uh, you know opportunity opportunity to live it it's to life to its fullest because in my situation you know within the space of going back to childhood and in the past within the space of three months I went went from being an active kid to being wheelchair bound and yeah. being immobilized and being bedridden so and and I know um, unfortunately people have passed away within the space of a few weeks you mm. know um, so you, most people live with that sort of life and death struggles and that yeah. real sort of so they know the value of every single day they well you don't all, take things for granted yeah, they know how precious every day is and how much you, you every day is lived to its fullest. So I think there's definitely a lot more from a relationship perspective, a lot more knowledge on life and a lot more value for life that is is there for potential, uh, you know, partners to date people with severe disabilities of, of yeah. all different genres, I think. So, and then getting on to the work side of things, again, similar, similar issues with finding acceptance and finding that sort of area where, you, where you're able to contribute in a meaningful way. I've I'm, uh, I've spent a lot of time in the employment sector and and have um, two years ago was honoured to be inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame for my work oh, with the disability good. employment fields. Um, just trying to highlight what disabled people can bring to workplaces. It, it yeah. doesn't have to be sort of sheltered workshops anymore. You know, they people have with disabilities of all fields can have such a huge impact in the workplace and, and earn, earn a wage and earn mm. a living and, and deserve to have all those things that everybody else just expects to do and exactly. everybody just expects to get a job and earn money and get a house, you know, yeah. no different whether you've got a disability or not. So um, that side of things, there's always hurdles with me because of the lifestyle that I lead and because of how severe my disability is, that it, it means my energy levels can fluctuate when um, when things are really painful and really difficult. I, I don't go down a um, painkillers and medicated path. Instead, I sort of try to control the pain and control it my, through my own methods that I've worked out over the years. So that means... Well, I, uh, I might have to work staggered shifts and sort yeah. of go home and have, have, you know, two hours for lunch and, you know, recuperate and then work later into, you know, the evening or whatever it might be. I, I, um, I've spent many years working in the radio industry and so I would work um, the breakfast shift through till uh, um, 12 o'clock 
go home, then come back at, you know, four o'clock till seven o'clock and prepare the shifts and prepare the show. So having that sort of flexibility, um, I've worked in the uh, car industry and just working sort of hours that I I could manage five days a week. Some days I'd only work four days a week and just sort of, you know, work from home part of the time then if my health wasn't great. So having that sort of flexibility, which is starting to happen now thanks to the coronavirus, I think a lot more businesses are open to that sort of flexible working arrangements for Mm. able-bodied people, let alone disabled people. But I think disabled people bring so much to the workplace to yeah. sort of bring bring a group together to support somebody with with high needs and sort of bind you know really really bind a, a business together to sort of you know get and the the disabled person gets so much out of working as well it's been a huge win-win thing mm. to to break down those barriers and sort of get more and more people into open employment what i actually think is with disabled people and and putting them into the workforce i really think it is a huge difference because majority of you know able people we're just turning up i mean there's very few of us that love to work where yep. giving a, a disabled person a position and letting them work not only lets them prove themselves it also makes them a much happier person because they're they're socializing with other people they're being Absolutely. able to prove their skills their intelligence all that sort of stuff so it's it, it truly is like having having somebody there that actually wants to be there and is doing it for a completely different reason to just getting a paycheck. Absolutely, it's going to benefit any business. It really is. And most people uh, have preconceived ideas that okay, employing a disabled person means they're going to need more time off work for their mm. disability or whatever. But st- the statistics show it's the exact opposite that mm. pe- that people with disabilities have such a passion for working, which most people, like you said, just turn up for a paycheck. Whereas mm. people with disabilities have that passion to get up and get to work and go to work that they find excuses to work rather than to not work and find ways to work and so um, I've found it to be a hugely beneficial thing for myself personally to be working and to be employed and having having a job and then also to be in that field that I've um, been able to travel around and meet other businesses and learn what they're doing and sort of how they've integrated disabled people into the workforce and and most of the time um, I, I find a lot of able-bodied people it's all about climbing the ladder and trying yeah. to become become the boss whereas a disabled person uh, they've got dreams to be as successful as anybody else but most people are just so passionate about working and finding the job that fits best for them once they're there and they've got it they hold on to it for life they don't want to it's not about you know i often think there's a lot of times there's too many you know chiefs and not enough indians just working and doing the job there's too many people that have that that cutthroat ambition to climb the ladder whereas if you if you're a you know disabled person who's passionate for just you know doing car car detailing 
they'll do mm. car detailing from to, from the you know till the day they die because it's yeah. just something that they're passionate about you know or radio whatever the case mm. may be it's not about you know climbing that corporate ladder and no, sort of so achieving true. those those milestones that people think are important in life yeah now i hear you're also an avid gym goer I am, how yeah. do you do that with how do, how do you do it without affecting your skin it still does affect my skin. Uh, at you times, just want to do it's it. Just, <laughs> it's just something that I want to do that I'll always yeah. find a way to do. So my hands are bandaged up. Um, as, as you can see, my right hand isn't as badly affected as my left hand. So I just wear the protective glove to keep the skin as safe as possible from even going out and meeting someone and handshake even. Yeah. You know, I, I say uh, something as simple as open, opening a, a milk bottle will be too difficult for my hands wow. to be able to grip and and open up a, a sealed, you know, um, soft drink bottle or something like that. So I've always got the glove on just to protect yeah. the skin and protect that surface. But in the gym, I've found, for me, what works really, really well is short, sharp, intense training sessions. Mm. So I'll be in the gym for two hours um, uh, every second day is my normal process, but I'm actually only lifting and holding the weights for a very short time before I put the weights down and move on to mm. walking on the treadmill for a little bit or hopping off and doing core sit-ups or whatever it might be. So the amount of time I've actually got the weight in my hand and gripping it and holding it, consider, considering for I'm in the gym for two hours is a relatively short time yeah. there that i'm there so i still to this day say typing on the keyboard is more dangerous than mm. lifting 150 kilos in the gym so yeah. um, it, it's something that that repetitive motion of tapping away at the keyboard holding a pen for hours writing mm. or whatever that repetitive motion is the part that damages my skin and wears my skin down so in the gym uh, bench pressing, free weights, uh, rubber bands, resistance training. It's all very short, sharp, intense training, specific body parts for mm. very short periods, then moving on to the next body part. And I've been able to really transform my body from it's being so incredibly weak and fragile to now being, yeah, one of the healthiest and strongest people going around, basically. That's brilliant. Really disabled I love that. Body. Look, I completely get it because I, funny enough, was quite a weakling when I was a child. Um, and I never played any sport. I was, it just didn't agree with me. Um, and yeah. it wasn't until I got older and I was in about my, I suppose my thirties and I started going to gym myself and that it really has been my savior in many ways. Um, and it's the one thing that's been consistent through my life ever since I've started. And right. even when I've dropped off, you know, I broke my ankle a few years ago and of course I couldn't go for several weeks, but it was always the thing that as soon as I got back, it was just like, oh, okay, I'm okay again. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it yeah. really, it really does lift the spirits for people that love the gym and love working out. It doesn't matter how long you're there, as long as you get there and you do something, it always makes exactly. you feel better. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I talk a lot about to all the other kids and young adults with EB and with other disabilities. Obviously, I say what I do in the gym is on the insane side of things and don't don't just, you know, walk into the gym and think you can copy what I'm doing because even a lot of able-bodied people aren't able to do the kind of training that I do. But, I, but it's about finding that passion yeah. and finding that, that thing that gives you that enjoyment and that adrenaline rush or whatever it might be that just sort of takes you out of whatever whatever issues you're dealing with. Yeah. We all have day-to-day issues. That's amazing. Illnesses or just, you know, lifestyle, whatever it yeah. might be, you know. So just finding that outlet. For me, it's the gym and sport. For other people, it's computer games, you know, or whatever it might be. Just having that thing that really engages and, yeah. you know, gives you that 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 connection to give you that that endorphin rush i think is so important now also i know that there are camps that you actually go to and you were actually uh uh, you appeared on a tv show called body bazaar can you tell us about them both yeah, well, we've got the camp that we have every second year with the EB Association, which is called DEBRA, which is the sort of acronym uh, that we use. Um, and so the DEBRA Association now, it's been about, I think it's been about 10 years. It might be longer now that we've been putting on the camps every second year for anybody living with EB, with any family members can come to and we can learn about the latest in medical advancements we can you know the the young kids we have nurses and we have support uh, staff that are trained to look after the kids so the young kids um, can go off and do activities where we have it in a, a different state every time and so um, the the kids go off which a lot of the time is one the first time that uh, they left their parents even yeah. for a day activity because their their medical needs are so great that the parents and families don't want to leave them. Mm. So to have trained nurses and trained staff that can look after them so they can go to a theme park or go to, you know, whatever it might be by themselves and sort of experience, you know, experience the world without having to be surrounded by their family kind of mm. thing and the parents can stay around and talk to other parents or uh, older people with EB or talk to doctors and learn about different treatments or different you know ideas and mm. things so how prevalent um, how prevalent is it so how many people would be at that camp um, in a, in Australia, there's about 500 or so people right. with EB that I, that I'm aware of, and in in that range, we're talking about you know professional linemen, athletes, mm. through to myself. So the range there can be um, 500 to a thousand people at the camp, but the range of severity or yeah. or is how how severe their skin may be can be as drastic as sort of minor sunburn type eczema looking skin through to myself that has yeah. the open wounds that we were talking about earlier mm. in, in your introduction. So um, it's amazing to have everybody that wants to come basically that's a part of the Deborah Association can come along and uh, other kids can, it's the first time other kids can see 
others living with EB and can yeah. see adult, see adults living with EB. And um, I, I had one uh, child and probably a, a number of years ago now at the Sunshine Coast when, when we held it there, just you kept coming up and over the course of the weekend, kept coming up and sort of asking questions. Then he'd sort of run away to his parents and kept coming back. And you, you could tell he, there was something he wasn't sure about. Yeah. And, and finally, by the end of the time, he sort of came over and he sat down beside me and he just looked at me and he's like, um, why do you wear the clothes you wear? And I sort of stopped and I was like, I'm not sure what you mean here. You know, can you want to, what are you talking about? Do you not like the footy team or whatever? I can't even remember what I was wearing. And he sort of said, no, no. He said, well, I wear loose clothes or I wear really, really big hats so people can't see my face or can't see my, the bandages on my arms. And I'm here just walking around in a in a T-shirt or a gym, gym T-shirt or whatever. And I was like, no, dude, it's it's not about covering up to stop people from staring or stop mm. people from. It's a. It, I'm happy if people see my bandages. That's fine. If people yeah. see my face and they, you know, so you can see that sort of light bulb go off in, off in his head. It's like, oh wow, okay, I don't have to be ashamed or be no. scared of my appearance. And um, so when I was growing up, there were, there was nobody older than myself, you know, mm. like, so for a young child to that see. That would be it, absolutely life-changing for that child because that's the one thing I think that would be so important in your position is never to feel like you need to excuse yourself because exactly, you can't yeah, yeah. stuff anybody else. Exactly, yeah. You have and every so right to, to live your life as much as anybody else. Exactly right. And so for a young kid to see other kids their own age, you know, with with the same, you know, level or, or a worse level, uh, skin more fragile than they have or whatever it might be, it's huge for, and it's also great for their, their sisters or brothers yeah, or family members definitely. to see other kids and see people like myself that are a lot older, that are still living and achieving life. And yeah. Now, and so, what about the, and what about the Body Bizarre TV show? Tell us about that. Yeah, that was uh, just an um, opportunity that came about. They they uh, contacted me and we spent a fair bit of time sort of working out what the show was about. I had never heard of it. So um, I spent uh, three, I think it was three days uh, sort of talking and sharing my story and uh, they travelled with me all around to different events and cool. um, spent time in the gym with me and just interacting. So I'm going to um, have to Google yeah, it. <laughs> It, it's it i think it is online there's quite a few documentaries on youtube and stuff now that i've featured in and oh, um, i've so been cool. on heaps of different stations all around australia and internationally now so I'll any opportunity i've got to share my story and sort of help help raise awareness and it, it's always interesting to get emails from people from all different countries and parts yeah. of the world that I never expected my story to appear in or That's people so to cool. uncover me. It's been a great, great journey to sort yeah. of interact with people from all around the world. Yeah. I bet. Now, Dean, where can people find out more about you? 
Yeah, well, I'm on uh, just about all the social media stuff. And I've also got my own website that is deanclifford.com. Um, and then also with the, with the Debris Association, you can uh, find out all about EB through the, it's debris.org.au. Um, and uh, yeah, on information about EB or about myself, if you just do some searches, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty easy to come across these days. Fantastic. Well, Dean, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and I just want to say that, I mean, I hate to say the cliche things like you're, you're a very strong person, blah, 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 but you really are. I mean, you know, to, to deal with, with what you deal with every day, not only the, the medical side of stuff and having to go through what you do, but just having the, the, the light of spirit that you've got, wanting to share your story to, to not only help yourself, but to help other people understand. It's, it's seriously, you should be so proud. Thank you. No, it's been an amazing journey, something I'm really, really passionate about, sharing my story with as many people as I can and sort of um, hopefully, yeah, inspiring or just giving that sort of different different view on life that I think people often need at in yeah. difficult times. So no, thanks a lot for agree. the opportunity to come along. My pleasure. And I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you again. No worries, mate. Ants Talk. It's like Oprah, but not.